0: Okay, I'm going to ask you, uh, well, I'm going to ask you two things. First, I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2, okay? The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is pretend like you haven't just been hearing my voice talking for the last 10 minutes, okay? Because I want my full sermon time, all right? So I'm going to just keep talking here. But, um, but what, what I'm excited about doing, okay, we've been in this series where we've been talking about our mission and our values. And, um, and so, you know, as things have kind of changed or whatever, I just— um, I, we we're going to spend a few more weeks focusing on this, and this morning I want to kind of lay out a vision of us as a spirit empowered community. A, a vision, a vision of us as a church family that lives according to this mission, mission and these values. And what does that look like as we move ahead? And so I, I'm going to um, I want to lay that out for us, and then over the next few weeks we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what does that mean in a world that's so broken and uncertain, and amongst a people that is so broken and hurting and struggling and unsure. Um, but but this morning what I want to do is look at the early church in Acts chapter 2 and see what they did and what God did through them and then use that as a way to inspire us to what I think God is going to do in our midst, what I believe God has set forward for us. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to just step back and do that and ask God to work in a powerful way. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47— and, um, and in this whole series and setup, okay, as we've been talking about who are we as a church, I want to look back at the earliest church. Because what happens here, so when we come to Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's some of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, because it's just so inspiring and beautiful what God did back then. And I want to I use it not as a way to say, let's do exactly what they did, but I want to look at it to see, look at what they did, look at what God did. Now let's ask what God's calling us into. At this point in the church's life, okay, the church has existed for like a few days or something, okay? It's, it's been like nothing. Je- they were with Jesus. Jesus conquered the grave, rose from the dead. He left to go be with the Father. And then what happens as we come into um, this moment in the church's history, the church got together these few followers from a, from a Savior that had been crucified and then went to be with the Father. They sat there and they prayed. And I don't know what they prayed for specifically. But I can promise you that all of them were surprised. No one of them expected that after praying, what they would do is go out, preach a sermon, have these tongues of fire come on them, all preach a sermon in different languages, and then have 3,000 people be saved on that day. Like, that's what happened, but there's no way that they expected it, right? They just prayed and asked God, do something through us, like guide us and work through us. And here's what we see happening in the aftermath of that. So let me, let me show you this in verse 42 is the, is where we'll start. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, okay? So this is showing what they did. So what they did is they, they sat there and they had just seen God work in this unbelievable way, right? And they said, okay, what we're going to do is we are going to devote ourselves um, to these four things, Okay? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which means these are the 12 that were following Jesus around and learning from him. And then they, they took these 12 and they just said, um, they said, okay, we're going to explain to you everything that we learned from Jesus. And, they, and so they were sharing these things that they learned from Jesus. They were opening up the scriptures and seeing how it was fulfilled in Jesus. And so the, the disciples, the original apostles, were teaching these things, and the new Christian community that's sitting there saying, who are we supposed to be and what does God want us to accomplish? They were sitting there, and they were just devoting themselves to that teaching, just saying, we want to be shaped by this word of God. We want to be shaped by who Jesus was and what he taught. And so they kept coming back again and again for fuel and guidance, just sitting at the disciples' feet saying, teach us more and more and more because we want to just be shaped by that and let it fill us. We also see they devoted themselves to fellowship, okay? So fellowship is a— is a lame word. I think we in church world, like, ruined it. I, when I grew up as a kid, we had the uh, sanctuary where we would worship and hear the word of God. And then we had the fellowship hall where we would go and get bad coffee and stale cookies, okay? And engage in small talk, right? So that was like fellowship happened there. But what, what, what they were doing was that, but probably more robust, okay? And so they would um, gather together. They were shaped, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they devoted themselves to fellowship, which means they looked at each other and they said, okay, I've had this encounter with Jesus. My heart's been changed. I want to follow him with the rest of my life, but I wouldn't dare try to do that by myself, right? I'm not going to just go do this on my own. So fellowship looked like, um, okay, we're shaped by the apostles' teaching, and then together we're going to like link arms, join together, invest our lives in each other's lives, and together we are going to do this thing that God's calling us to do. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The words, like, they devoted themselves to fellowship. It's not a casual thing. It's not small talk in a lobby. It's devoting, it's giving yourselves to the people that are around you and saying, we're not going to try to do this on our own. We're going to work together, and we're going to do this thing together. They devoted themselves to it. And then there's the breaking of the bread, okay? So they, they were devoted themselves also to the breaking of the bread. Now, you ask the question, okay, what does that mean? Did they become bakers? Like, I, I don't know how it worked. But the breaking of the bread, you look at it and you might think, okay, maybe that means they were like eating meals together, right? Like breaking bread, passing it around, like eating a meal together. Or you might read that and think, okay, well, the Lord's Supper, the communion, right? Jesus was there and they drank the wine to remember Jesus' blood and he broke the bread, which is symbolic of his body, right? And so you can ask the question, which one of them is it? And pretty much every scholar will look at that and say, yeah, it's both of those things, right? Right? It's both a meal that they shared where they broke bread together from house to house. They would share their tables, open up their lives, another form of this fellowship that we're talking about. And as they were doing it, they would have this spiritual moment of just opening themselves up and saying, hey, let's pause and let's break this bread. Let's remember what Jesus has done, what he said, this sacrifice that he offered for us. And so they devoted themselves to that, to that, this table fellowship, opening up their tables to each other. And while they're at it, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave to them. And then they devoted themselves to the prayers. And I believe this is the heartbeat of all of it. I think we see crazy, supernatural things happening in the church family throughout this time. And how did it happen? I think you just have to look at the fact that they prayed. And they just said, Lord, you've called us to something insane. We don't know what to do or how to do it. We're certainly not capable of very much. Would you please show us and would you please empower us? And you see throughout the whole book of Acts, God just does that. So the the prayer is something else they devoted themselves to. So this is it, okay? This is it. This one verse at the beginning of this section, okay? So God's just done amazing things, added 3,000 souls to them being saved. We're going to see in a second some other really miraculous things that God did after this. But this one sentence in verse 42 says, this is what they devoted themselves to. And if you just took this one sentence, and you had no context, and you read it, and it said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, what would you think would result, right? You'd think, okay, that's cool. You know, like, I don't think nothing much would come of that, right? But like, that's cool. But what happens is, I love it, because they devoted themselves to these very simple things, and then it's just surrounded by God doing impossible, miraculous things that there's no way they could have strategized or planned. So they devoted themselves in this simple direction, and God did amazing things. And so when I think of us, all right, we've just, we've just been talking through these mission and values that we've gone through. And I think that this is beautiful. I think it's inspiring. I think it's everything I want to be about as a pastor and as a church member. I want to be about our mission of finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. And, and I can and I have asked myself, like, is that enough? Right? Should we, should our mission be to accomplish something way more intense and way bigger and way more buildy and, and inspiring than that? On one level, maybe, but on another level, I, like, what more could we want in life than to be finding life, to be glorifying God by finding that life in Jesus together and inviting other people to do that? So I, I think this is the simple commitment that's very similar. I think it has all these elements of the apostles' teaching, fellowship, prayer, breaking to bread, I think it's all in there as we pursue this life in Jesus together and invite other people into that. I just see um, this sense of like, yes, this is what I want to give my life to, and I want to link arms with all of you guys and say, let's do this together, because if we do this, man, that's the kind of life I want to live, and I think these are the building blocks that God's going to use to do all these big things. And while we do it, right, we're doing it, we're devoting ourselves to that, and we're trying to be shaped by these values of we're shaped by the gospel in everything, right? So we're hearing the word of God. We're, we're, we're um, embodying this message of grace that transforms our lives and changes us. So we want to be shaped by that. We want to be people that foster a culture of love and invitation. We're not just advertising. We're not just marketing. We're not, inv- we're not entertaining, but we are just saying together, opening up our lives to each other in love, laying our, down, our lives down in sacrificial love, and inviting people in to our tables and all the things that we're doing that God's um, allowing us to do. We want to create that kind of culture. We want to create a culture also of empowerment where each of us is using our gifts as God empowers. And I'm just saying, man, if we pursue that mission shaped by those values, I, I just see it, man. That's what God's calling us to. There's this, all this overlap in it. Um, I see all this in Acts 2. If you remember from this summer, we pulled this, this mission and values out of John 13 to 17 that we walked through this last summer. And really, these are New Testament themes. So I, I, I'm so excited about it. Now, think about the simplicity of that. Think about the simplicity of um, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayers, okay? What the church set out to do, they did not set out to grow the church. They did not set out to accomplish miraculous things. They didn't set out to, like, um, to do these like big strate- strategic things to impress people, to start a new religion. They didn't start out— trying to do any of that, what they did was they devoted themselves to apostles teaching, fellowship, uh, breaking the bread, and prayer. They, they focused, devoting, they gave themselves over to something so simple, and it was God doing all that stuff around them. And I think the, the problem that we often face in American churches is we often start out different than that, right? We start out like, okay, church growth. Like, for, honestly, from day one in seminary, you're talking about Church growth, how do you grow your church? How do, you, um, how do you get buy-in? How do you get funding? How do you get, like, it's just, there's this pull that we have and we equate success and being a good church or a healthy church with numerical growth, financial growth, um, pretty much every kind of growth you can think of. That's, like, that's what we're out to do and we're trying to impress and we're trying to build and we're trying to entertain and bigger is always better. And I think the reminder in all this is saying, hey, you know what? The early church didn't pursue that. As far as we can tell, the early church didn't pursue that. They did the things God called them to do, and they gave themselves to it. That's asking a lot. They gave themselves to it. But God's the one that grew the church at times and didn't grow the church in other times, right? God's the one that moved them and nudged them into places they couldn't possibly have strategized or envisioned themselves being. And when they did that, when God brought them and led them into those places, he supernaturally did the things that moved the hearts, that created this movement that changed the world. And so I, I, I think for us, like as we ask ourselves, okay, what's the vision? Where are we headed? What are we looking to as a church together to go? Um, I want to say, let's start by devoting ourselves to a simple message and a simple mission. Now, this is what they did. Okay, and then here's what happened. Here's what they experienced as they did that. So it says in verse 43, awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So, I mean, just see it here, like, From the very beginning, as they're going, there's this sense of awe, right? They're humbled by what God is doing. They're inspired. They're seeing what God's doing. And then there's these powerful acts of God in verse 43 that we can see, right? Where God's doing these signs and wonders. God's working beyond their capabilities. Verse 44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay, so there's this true unity that they're sharing. They're opening up their lives and they're saying, Hey, if you need my stuff, you can have my stuff, right? We'll hold it all in common, right? Um, And it says in verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so there's a selfless generosity here as well, where they're saying, hey, yeah, God gave me this thing, but I will sell it and give you the money from it because you have needs. And, And again, I'm just saying, I'm so blessed to be part of a church where I can give a financial update on a campaign like that and then read a verse like this and said, yeah, Like, there's always more. We can all tighten the belt further and dig deeper down. But we're just coming off this season of really strong generosity. I'm so thankful for it. Uh, Verse 46, day by day, they were attending the temple together, and they were breaking the bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So what I see here, they're attending the temple together. There still is this commitment to, like, the religious gathering. They were in the temple. Later, we'll see them in the synagogues. And over time, that changed. Over time, they kind of got kicked out of those places because— they wanted to keep it more Jewish and less Jesus-focused. So over time, that kind of um, faded. But they were still saying, these religious gatherings matter, okay? And they were together. They, they shifted from worshiping on Saturdays to worshiping on Sundays, on the first day of the week, to celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. But they had these religious things where they came together and said, yeah, we're going to focus on the Word of God, like reading um, from the Word of God and discussing and worshiping God. But it says that, but it also says they gathered from house to house, right? They were in each other's homes, so it wasn't just about a religious service that they attended. It was also what they were doing in their day-to-day lives. They're just experiencing this sharing of their daily lives, opening up their tables daily, habitual, unscripted, just working in ways um, that, that are just simple, like opening up their lives and seeing what God would do through that, right? And then we see, it, like it even says it in there, there's this habit of, eating with gratitude and generosity, right? They received their food with glad and generous hearts. I mean, that's quite a thing to call attention to in the midst of a paragraph like this. And so again, it's the table, it's this gratitude, it's this generosity with everything they had. And then I think we see um, in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. So there's the praising God, there's this spontaneity of worship. This comes in mentioning attending the temple, the religious services, and also gathering house to house. I think worship was just in all of it. There's worshiping God, praising God, and, and I love the end. Having favor with all the people. Like there was, there was this sense in which, man, the community around them felt blessed by them, shared gratitude back to them. And so again, this is, like my heart longs for this so much, of a, of a time and and an experience of the church being not something that hides from the culture, not something that stands out and condemns the culture, but something that There's gratitude, shared love, blessing, and gratitude between church and community as we open our tables, as we invite people in, as we look in service and love to the people around us. So what they devoted themselves to, these simple things, right? And then what they experienced— God doing the miraculous, God doing these huge things, God leading their hearts to be generous and open, God leading them to worship and gather together, but also just give their lives and open up their tables to the people around them. And so as they pursued these simple things, I mean, God moved. And this picture in Acts 2, 42 to 47, is this picture of something that I want so badly to experience and be part of. And I'm saying that, okay, I want that so badly. I'm experiencing it in Creekside. I, I think it's important to say, okay, as we look at like, what's our mission? What are our values? It's not that we sat there and said, as the, as the elders, as the ministry staff and everything, it wasn't that we said, okay, what is our church family doing wrong and how can we fix it? We were saying, what makes us who we are? What's unique about Creekside? And this mission and these values are the things that we're saying, yeah, we're a group of people that in, find life in Jesus together and we are inviting other people to do the same and so we're clarifying that And articulating it, but I think it's already true of us, and we're just saying, let's see it more and more and more. And so, what happened? They devoted themselves to this. They experienced all this, and then what did God do in that? It says at the end, God added to their, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Sometimes we set out for this, and we say, okay, we are going to like see explosive growth, and we're going to get this place big, and we're going to pack it out, and more services, and more buildings, and more whatever. They, did the, they devoted themselves to that. They experienced God working. And what did the Lord do? The Lord added to their number day by day. And my heart longs for this. Every part of my heart longs for this. I want everybody that I encounter to experience, to find that life in Jesus as well. But this is the reminder that this is the Lord's work. So we pursue what he's given us to do, but God is the one who does all these things. And we have to keep those things straight. So the question I have for us, as we look at that, we're not going to imitate the early church, okay? It's not— it's not going to work, different time, different season. Um, they didn't have COVID, you know, so like we, it's totally different now. And we're looking at our situation and saying, what will it look like for us to pursue this mission? As we kind of look ahead, like what are we hoping to see and experience and what are we longing for in that? And that's where we came up with this mission and these values. And we've talked about that, but it, it means, okay, let's, let's, let's get ourselves into these modes. Let's pursue this mission and let's be shaped by these values. And, and here's what I want to say. One of the things I want to say is this means that we have, to, uh, we have to be present to each other, okay? So now I, I want to be clear on what I'm saying. So I, we need to, if we're going to do this, we need to be present to each other, okay? So some of that might mean attending Sunday morning services, okay? Preaching to the choir, all right? That's totally fine. Um, when I was a kid growing up, We, like, we never missed a Sunday morning um, for any reason whatsoever, okay? We were there for the whole thing. And uh, when we would go on vacation, the very few times that we'd go on vacation over a weekend, okay, we would find a church, and we would attend that church on Sunday morning, and it was the worst as a kid, you know? Because, like, your own church is its own thing, but then, you know... um, Now, I am not advocating that, okay? There, There may have been a moment of legalism in my heart about, like, church attendance stuff, it's not that at all. I, I, I feel like I've grown past that, whatever. And, and then I also want to just acknowledge, okay, as somebody who recently had COVID and was sick and had to be out and follow along the live stream, I just want to say to everybody on the live stream and everybody who's not physically here right now, I, this is not a shame thing at all, okay? I'm so glad that we're able to like um, be part of this even when we're not here. There's people for um, reasons like they're sick right now, people that are like, um, you know, in da- more, greater danger should they get sick or whatever. So I'm, I'm Not trying to give any shame that way. What I'm trying to do is invite and say, this is a great way for us to connect with each other. Sunday mornings is a great way. We worship together. um, We hear the word of God together. This matters immensely. And then we connect with each other before and after. So this matters immensely. There's also so many other ways that we can give each other to them. And so I, there, there's a lot of people that are members of this church that some of you who have been here for even like a year haven't even met yet, and they're beautiful, amazing, invested in this church people because what they're doing is, even when they can't be here on Sunday morning, they're offering themselves to the people that are around them. And so that happens through phone calls, it happens through like backyard meetups, it happens in a lot of different ways. And so what, what I'm trying to say is, I, my, like, as, we, as we talk about the vision for Creekside, it's not— Let's all get here every week and attend a service together, even though that's exciting and even though I want that. Like there's a lot of potential there, right? What I'm saying is let's invest our lives in each other's lives, right? And let's, find, let's be really creative. I think COVID this year has made us, forced us to be creative about how we do that, okay? So I I've, I've love that. We had some of you in my backyard um, during the early days of the lockdown stuff. A bunch of you did the same thing. That was a creative thing, and I'm so glad we did it. Um, I'm glad we're able to be in this space doing what we're doing right now. But there was a beauty that I experienced during that time. Some of, some of you are still doing that in times and ways, and that's awesome. More creativity, more opening of our tables, but the idea is we've got to give ourselves to each other. We cannot do this by ourselves. And so finding every way that we can to encourage and bless through digital, through in person, through an actual Sunday morning gathering, through something that happens at your home, in your backyard, all of that we need. If we're going to be investing in the kingdom and in this mission, we're going to have to be offering ourselves to each other, and it's hard. It is not easy. Um, it it fights against the schedule at every moment. It is it is countercultural to how we live today in the United States. But the call is: let's be present. Let's be devoted. So, when Laura and I moved up here six years ago, we um we moved. We were blessed to be able to move into this like brand new neighborhood that was getting built, and so we were like one of the first few houses finished on the street. And we moved in, and then everybody else like moves in over time. Okay, and so we just, we prayed for everybody, like, just help us to have good connections and to be able to, like, share lives and stuff like that. And there's some people on that street that we see, like, weekly, sometimes daily, and we have community with those folks, and it's beautiful. There's other people on the street that we never see, okay? They're, like, in the garage, they close the door, we never see them. Now, they are probably doing really important things, and they're probably amazing and investing their lives in other people. I don't know, but all I'm saying is, some people that we live around, we have life and community with, and others we don't. And it's all about, Are we opening up the space in each other's lives to overlap and be there together? So what I would love to see is for that to happen in places like our gospel communities. Our gospel communities are um, these beautiful places where we gather together regularly to share a meal together. So there's the table, there's the meal, there's the breaking of bread that happens in both senses, right? And we share a meal, and it becomes a place where there's informal discipleship, there's sharing of life, and it becomes a space where we can invite people into it. Um, Giving ourselves, being present and devoted on Sunday mornings allows us to Obviously, hear the word of God and worship together, but use our gifts. As we're in here and we're talking, there's a lot of people that are serving on Sunday mornings, using their gifts to bless us as servants, um, but also a lot of people that are just through the gift of chit-chat, through the gift of asking, hey, how are you doing this week? How can I be praying for you? All of those things are God helping us to be present and devoted to that fellowship together with each other. Meanwhile, our kids are being invested in by many of you, um, every Sunday morning where they're worshiping and they're learning and they're growing. They're being invested in our youth, the exact same thing. And so it's this beautiful picture on Sunday morning where we come as a family. We're all built up in different ways, but we get to be a family together. I see it happening also through like nurture and discipleship groups that we have where we're just building into growing and developing those tools so we can take those out into the world around us. We do it through um, our, our like community style outreach that we do. And so um, so there's there's Uh, Less than some churches, where sometimes it's like we as the church leadership will strategize and say, okay, this week we're all going to this place and we're all going to use our gifts. What I love about Creekside, and what I want to see more and more of, is it's looked like God puts something on someone's heart and they do what they can about it. And when that exceeds what that person can do about it, they reach out to the people in their gospel community and say, hey, can we meet this need together? Um, And then when it exceeds what that group can do together, they say, hey, we've got this whole bigger family here. Let's see what we can all do together with that. And so the beautiful things that have happened, I mean, Trackside Church has been planted through exactly that approach. Um, we have, like, the Brizuelas are part of the church, and back when we had all the, um, the, the racial healing stuff was at the forefront of everything, um, they, they just said, like, hey, we'd like to start a, a Be the Bridge group where we just have the hard conversations and we talk together over a long period of time with this group. And they, they just, like, did that and launched it and gave us a space where we could say, hey, are you wrestling with this? Let's connect you with them um, and work through that stuff together. That's how uh, Mexico down in Permanente started as the Cosgroves were part of our Church family and God led them down, and we've been able to partner from a distance. Um, we have, we literally have children's homes in Bangladesh that are that happened in the exact same way. Not some wise pastor strategizing something, but God putting something on church members' hearts and then getting the church family together around it to allocate resources and to send teams over like over like a decade or more here it's just incredible. And so that's the kind of thing that I love. It's just us being in our community and being sensitive to the Spirit's prompting, and then saying, okay, I'm not just an individual. I have a small family around me, and then that small family saying, we've done what we can. It's time to bring the whole church into this. And I love that. That's the culture of love and invitation that we've seen, and it's beautiful. So, okay, what is the, what is the vision for Creekside? It's, we're looking ahead. We're saying, this is our mission, our values. What do we see? So they describe it like this, the, the experts describe it like this. The mission is like the compass for the church, okay? So the mission points in the direction and says, this is where we're headed, okay? And the vision is like the travel brochure, okay, that shows, you know, you sitting there in, on the beach in Hawaii sipping a Mai Tai, like, that's the vision, okay? It's like the picture of like, okay, this is what we'll experience if we follow the mission, which is this compass pointing us in that direction, Okay. What I think is, is sad, but also hilarious, but mostly sad, is um, 2020 started, okay? And any, any, like, great creative pastor could not resist the urge to preach their sermon on our 2020 vision, right? Okay, so you see the eyeglasses and the—our 2020 vision. So there were so many incredible uh, sermons preached a couple of years ago on the 2020 vision of our church, right? And just so many amazing plans that would have been great had they worked out— And yet, like, what do we know now? Every plan made for 2020 was just a joke, right? Because, no, that can't happen. And different things happen. In some cases, better things happen. But there's just this sense that we have where we say, we're going to accomplish this. We're going to go out and do that. We're going to charge this or that hill. Like, that's all great, right? But what I want to say, as we look ahead, I see this picture less of things that we're going to accomplish and milestones that we're going to create and and numbers that we're going to hit and our giving and are growing and all those kinds of things. What I see instead, and as we, as we, as the, the elders and the staff and everything, we talk and we pray about this, like we see this picture of a church family that's, man, just like investing in each other in huge ways. Giving sacrificially, looking in love over the long haul at our communities and saying, I don't need to, I don't need to convert a neighborhood today. I'm going to just invest in blessing and loving these people, um, seeing what they have to offer me and what they have to teach me, and I'm going to invest there. Um, I'm seeing a, a church family that just loves being together, and everybody's saying, like, like I, I would love to be five years down the road and realizing that every single person in this room found gifts and talents and dreams that God has put into your heart that you're now discovering for the first time and saying, I'm going to start doing that. I have, I mean, in the last six years that I've been here, I've seen so many of you have these realizations of, I wouldn't have guessed it, but I'm gifted at this, and it launches this whole ministry. I want to see that happen in Creekside Church. I want to see us be to our community, the kind of place that's not just a church that like is judging their lifestyles, and not just a church that is like um, doing like one-and-done projects out in the community. I want to see us be the kind of church that is a family, that looks at the community that we're situated in, and the reality is we're kind of regional, right? So it's not just like this community of like the business park that we're in, right? It's like all the communities that are around us, where we live and where our gospel communities are and all this, right? I want to see us in those spaces be the kind of people where, man, as as generation after generation is becoming more and more disillusioned with what the church is, right? Um, you read, okay, tr- Christians are— judgmental christians will oust you for the craziest thing and christians are crazy hypocritical right um and and we see celebrity pastors falling left and right whether it's through um their pursuit of fame whether it's like bullying whether it's um whether it's like sexual sin we see it all the time and it's made millennials and gen z and, and definitely down below like lose their taste for the church completely right We were already skeptical of some of the things, and now we see what it amounts to, and we want nothing to do with church. That trend was happening, and then COVID hit, and I think it invited every generation to just say, like, what are we doing here, right? The church is something that maybe served its purpose, maybe not, but we don't want anything to do with it. When I look ahead, I just want to see Creekside as this place where we say, hey, I don't know about all that. Like, we're grieved by all the pain and the hurt that the church is and has caused as well we are certainly imperfect and will be years and years from now. We certainly will be, right? But to say that we were, we are committed to opening our lives to each other to be the kind of community together that becomes a home for people that thought that they were done with church. Like, I would love to see that happen because, look, I mean, the complaints, the critiques that people have against the church, and, and like— I agree with most of them, right? Like, I want us to be genuine. I don't want us to be hypocritical. I want us to be, have humility and own up to our faults. I want us to be the kind of people that aren't about building our empires, whether it's me, whether it's any of you, like building some, no, I just want to offer myself in love to anyone that God will bring to be uh, like, connected to my life. I want to be the kind of person that goes and I want to look at all of you and every week I want us just to look each other in the eye and send each other out into the world around us and just say, yes, let's go and be the kind of people that Jesus empowers and calls us to be in those settings. And I think if we do that, I, I, I'm not worried about the numerical growth. I'm not worried about the, the, the financial numbers. I, I'm worried about, let's focus on the things that actually matter. Like, we've set ourselves up so well for that through God's, like, nudging and, and moving and empowering. So we're set. Let's, let's pursue it, and let's do it together. Let's, let's lock arms. Let's join our hearts together. Let's pray. Let's humble ourselves. And let's just get busy with sharing our lives with each other and with the people that God's put around us. So next few weeks, what I want to do is, everything I've just said <laughs> is so hard to do in a world where everything is so broken, okay? And so let's open our lives, and then like, you know, this is what it's been like for, for us with church. Okay, let's open up our lives, let's do some big thing, and then, okay, pandemic, okay. Let's get a little bit busy. Let's build some momentum. Okay, now I'm sick. Okay, now Nathan's sick. Okay, now Jaleesa's sick. Like, it just—there's no momentum to be had anywhere, and we're all broken, and we're all hurting, and we're all going to make these plans, and they're all going to be canceled. This is as pessimistic as I get, folks, so that's it. And so we're going to look through 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is all about how God accomplishes impossible things through weak and um, incapable vessels. And I'm excited because we're going to talk about how mission, vision like this plays out in a very broken world, through very broken people, and there's just so much encouragement and grace to be had in all that. And so we're going to do that together for the next few weeks, and I'm excited. We're going to pray. Um, we're going to sing. So I'm going to have the band come on up. And let's just, let's just ask the Lord to um, prompt us in all the right ways with all this. Lord, I'm thankful to be part of a church family that inspires me and a church family that that loves me um, just as a as a human, Lord, just as someone that that can stand here and see my flaws and my brokenness and my needs, I can stand here and see and experience all that. And yet, Lord, you are just you are just here with us, and you've brought each person here for reasons we may or may not understand. You've joined us together into a family, into a body, um, and I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for every person that's in this room right now. I thank you for all our family members that are scattered. Lord, may none of us feel isolated. May none of us be isolated. Lord, may we all use every means available to just reach out and connect. Lord, whether that's gathering in person, whether it's picking up the phone, whatever it is, Lord, may we connect, may we care, Where may we meet tangible needs. Lord, please save us from being the kind of church that sits within our four walls. But Lord, may we each open our lives to the people all around us all the time that need you so desperately, that need love and belonging so much. May we be the kind of community um, that you paint these compelling pictures of in your word. Lord, that's what we want. And I I thank you that I, I get to live in a community like that. And we just offer ourselves to you. Lord, would you continue to work. It's about your glory and your kingdom. We offer ourselves to you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.